it's uh, one of the problems we have when we work our way through Scripture is that we, uh, we come to passages that sometimes we like to gloss over. And um, this is, today is talking uh, about sin. And in one sense, I love talking about sin because uh, when I started thinking about it, I start thinking about all the people who need to hear a sermon about sin. And then somewhere in there, after about uh, three days of thinking about it, it always is saying, uh, God puts it deep in my heart that uh, perhaps that, that could have something to do with me and that I could too be part of the problem in this world. And uh, I know none of you believe that. But um, it, um, it's deep. Pride runs deep in the religious person. And I know that as Christians we hate to call ourselves religious because we say we're not into a religion, we're into a relationship. But the fact of the matter is we do have beliefs. And those beliefs cause us to have strong views about lots of things and it's just natural that when you have beliefs about anything including a relationship with God that we become people who look at other people mm, that's our problem we look at other people okay so if you're wondering who this sermon is for today it's for you <laughs> uh, me but you know what I'm saying okay Romans 3 9 to 24 <clears throat> What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. For it is written, none is righteous. Not, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. No, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is on their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since, the, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Father, we pray that as we uh, consider your word this morning, that you would go beyond uh, our thoughts, that you would bring your thoughts to our heart in the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, that you would not let us stay uh, in ways that harm us, or tear us away from you, but that you would expose them and that we could live in all the fullness it is to know you through your son Jesus. I pray this in his name. Amen. I'm actually going to go through this verse by verse. I'm trying to extend the sermon to get as long as possible. I know that that's whatever he wants. Um, and uh, so I'm going to go through verse by verse. Then I'm going to jump into just an overview of Romans up to now. 
Uh, and um, what then? Are we Jews better off? No, not at all. Um, what uh, actually the Greek sort of says, are we, are we better off? No, not in every respect. Because it's just, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we went through the Jews have this great heritage. They have the oracles of God, the word of God, the promises of God, the salvation. God's spoken to them. He's their chosen people. Um, and they're much better off, he says. But are you better off in every respect? No. Because when it comes to righteousness, the Jews are no better than anyone else. All have sinned. And as Jesus said, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Sin has a penalty. It's got three P's. How about this? Sin has a penalty. It has pollution and it has power. It has penalty in that there's guilt and shame and there is a surety of a punishment from God. It has pollution. It makes us unclean. It makes us unfit for God. And it has power. It rules over a person. It causes enslavement, habits that people can't break. And that all began with Adam. It's all his fault, you know. Yeah. Later in Romans 5.12 it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. That means if we can blame him and go, well, he put it in our genes so we couldn't help it. And there's kind of a truth to that. But then we also feel willingly follow in his ways, don't we? Someone said... Um, when Adam sinned, we all clapped. Yeah. That's supposed to be a bit funny, but let's stay away. Um, so Paul has been in three chapters of his book. And in, in Romans, he's writing to a group of people he doesn't know. He hasn't been to that church. And he is wanting to give them an overview of all of the truth of God. And he for three chapters, hammers this point, but he's leading up to this and he's just making his final kind of knife in the back to make sure you know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? You are hope- all are hopelessly stuck. Why did he write this? Why did Paul write this? Is, he, is it because there were non-Christians there? Is that what he was writing to? Why talk about sin to Christians? That's the question that I get asked very often. Because in Romans 1.7 he says, I'm writing to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Why do you want to tell the saints about sin all the time? Why is it that, uh, well, people say in church, we talk too much about sin. Um, or don't tell me I sin. I hear those words often. Often from people who lie and gossip and get angry and get drunk and are lustful. But I think what they generally mean is, when you talk about sin, I feel bad. I feel unsure, or when I when you talk about sin, my conscience doesn't like it. Yet to the one who knows the grace of God in Jesus Christ, when we hear about sin, we praise God for the salvation He's brought us. It doesn't. It, it, it's, it's actually it leads to praise and honour for God. Do you know that? Do you feel that? It's no condemnation to feel under sin when we know Jesus Christ, is it? Okay, because to the saints, when we hear about our sin, we confess our sin. And I said there was considerable, for me, um, conviction of sin in preparing this. Um, 
And I confess, you confess that to God and you're set free from the bondage of it. Or you say, I deny it, I don't want to hear about it, and then you remain under the penalty, the power and the pollution of sin. Okay. I just I'd say this. If you're hearing about it today and you're annoyed by this, um, it could be time to repent and trust in the grace of God that's come through Jesus Christ. Even if, it is, even if uh, you've always been part of a church. So Paul goes on now and he quotes 11 Old Testament verses in a row to drive home a point. He didn't use the, if he didn't use the Old Testament, the Jews wouldn't listen to him. There were Jews in the crowd and, and they would only hear the Old Testament. So 11 verses in a row which speak of the depths of sin. For we've already charged that both Jews and Greeks are under sin, as is written. None is righteous, no, not one, which is very clear. No one is righteous. No one understands. No one seeks for God. No one is chasing the truth. Humanity as a whole is chasing the lie. That's the problem that humanity has. They aren't basically good people waiting for a chance to live out that good. They are sinning and loving the sin and trying to justify it at all costs and convince themselves that their actions are actually good. That's why so often Jesus, well, yeah, Jesus did, and, but others are warned about being lukewarm. It, it's in the self-righteousness of religion that we try and adjust God. We try and change God. We change his word to be what we want it to be, which means leave a little scripture out because you can't... You, 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 it's a very hard thing to read all of the Bible when you're justifying yourself. You have to leave some behind. You have to twist a little scripture your way and you have to add at least a little bit of wisdom to scripture and then you can find, I don't need a saviour, I need a helper. I don't need Jesus because I'm at the bottom of myself. I need someone who's going to help me achieve my dreams and aspirations in life. So Jesus is a help but not a Lord and saviour. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. They have become together worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throats are an open grave, which is a horrible picture. That's a, a picture of rotting flesh, no coffin. And it's talking of, when it talks about the throat being open ground, it's talking about what comes from people's mouths. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is on their lips. That, 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 the words that are spoken are like poison from a snake. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness, gossip, slander, hatred, malice, evil talk. And in the last couple of years, really, for, for I think us all, we've been really confronted with evil talk, with gossip and slander, and just bad words. And I'm talking about myself. I'm not looking at other people. Just people carelessly speaking of others behind their backs, talking evil. It, always from a point of self-righteousness and justification. I'm justified. I look down on others. I think we as Christians are very aware of that. And the answer to it is either... Be more self-righteous. Yeah, I know I'm being harsh on so-and-so, but the truth is I'm right. 
Okay? That always helps, doesn't it? Or to actually say, I'm a sinner and so are they. And we both need Jesus. They are, their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known for there is no fear of God before their eyes. Mankind, with all this brilliance, with all his skills, with all his creativity, has a way that's marked by ruin and misery, which is dressed up in a nice red dress and made to look like success and pride. There is no peace, there is no fear of God. We make our words, which are evil, seem good and righteous. Our actions are just wonderful. And peace is a mind trick we play. We, we, we just think peace and we try and conjure up the thought that I'm at peace. And the fear of God, we just make the fear of God to mean not the fear of God. That's the easy way to deal with that. You say, yes, we should fear God, but it just doesn't mean to fear God. Okay, do you get what I'm saying? No, do you get what Paul's saying? Paul lays it on thick because we have to see it, every one of us. We need to be exposed. If we have a high view of humanity, we will be left down. If we have a high view of ourselves, we will crash and burn. And the longer we hold on, from accepting the truth of our sinfulness, the bigger the crash will be. So now, verse 19, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world held accountable to God. So the whole world is accountable to God. There's no one who can stand up before the God and say, well, I'm not guilty. Have you ever heard people say, you know, actually God's made a bit of a mess of this world if there's a God. When I stand before him, I'm going to actually tell him where he's wrong. Have you ever heard people say, I'm actually going to stand before God and I'm going to say, I'm going to give you what for? God, why did you do this? Why did you allow this? People sometimes say that. The whole world will be accountable to God. There will be no one who says that. Because the heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately sick, who can understand it? That's what Jeremiah said. Okay, as Christians, we quickly go from believing Christ alone has made us righteous to thinking we're pretty good ourselves. And we just do it. It's, it's, it's a constant battle up and down of Christians. We, we, we think, we know it's all by Jesus. It's all by grace. And then we jump into, but I'm pretty good. And I'm actually doing a good job now and I'm holding it all together. Verse 20 says, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. The law only shows what sin is. No one obeys it. That The law might expose sin, but we need the Holy Spirit who brings the conviction of sin, which brings repentance, which brings a true change. The law is actually, as the Bible described it, for sinners. But for those in Christ, we can love the law because we know that Jesus has taken the penalty and the pollution and the power of sin in our place. Even when we don't obey it, we can still say it's right and it's good and lovely. If all our sins are gone, and you see, this is what we're about to hear about Jesus, and you know this is where we have to go with the gospel, 
100% of our sins are gone. If 100% of your sins are not gone, if God's just done a partial job, we'll always live with this, with this guilt and shame and fear. But he has taken 100% of our guilt, 100% of our sin, so there is no penalty for us. Jesus took it all. He took the penalty in death on the cross. There is no pollution. He took our evil. He took our death. He took our uncleanness. And there is no power over sin, which means that Christians actually have the ability to do an incredible thing in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is not sin. Do you know that? We are... As a people of God, we are no longer under, we are no longer, it's not our default position anymore. Although, we constantly fall to it. We don't have to. In other words, it's still our fault. <laughs> and we still need Jesus every hour. It is absolutely and completely by grace that we have been saved. There is nothing that we added or did to, to bring it about for ourselves. It is by grace. So in verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested or made known apart from the law. It's not through the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The whole Old Testament had always spoken about this. God never changed what he was on about. It was always the same. The righteousness of God, it has appeared from God. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He spent three chapters explaining that, so we can't possibly miss it. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. It would be great if we had a modern word that we use that means propitiation. We don't. It's a word that has a one meaning and there's no other word that does it. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But you see, the answer for guilty sinners is this, Jesus. A righteousness that comes through faith, through believing what he has done. We are justified. That means we're made righteous. We're made perfect with God by grace. By a gift. And you see, we'll never be set free until we admit it was all by a gift. If we're holding out that there was some part of us that deserved it or earned it, we actually don't get it. Now, I know some people will say, yes, but we've got to accept it. Now, imagine Ned standing there and I've got $10,000 in my hand and I said, Ned, you can just take it. Right? Big deal. Look what Ned did. Do you understand? Yeah, you had to go like that. And then you can go, look, I took it myself. You understand? God's given us this free gift. It's all him, isn't it? Uh, imagine Lazarus. He's been dead for four days. He's in the tomb. He stinketh. Don't you like that, the King James Version? He stinketh. He, he is rotting in his flesh. Okay? And Jesus calls him out. And just the same with any sinner who is saved. Jesus calls us out, but still, Jesus, before he could walk out of that tomb, God had to actually give him life. He had to take his stinky flesh and make it new again, didn't he? So God 
renewed his flesh and gave him ears that were alive so he could hear Jesus say, come out. That's what it is to be saved. God gives us new life and he calls us into it. Right? Imagine Lazarus coming out and saying, look what I did. I did what Jesus said. I came out. I brought myself back to life. <laughs> it wasn't him, was it? He was dead in his finger. Okay. God saves us as his incredible gift of his grace. And that's all it is, his grace. And we're made righteous by his grace even when we weren't seeking him. And we don't deserve it and it's a gift. That's the salvation that comes to us from our God. And we are completely set free. But when we hold out on our, our own righteousness or our own thing or our own religion or our own anything and that maybe we aren't so sinful, then what we end up doing is naturally thinking we deserve it. And we don't. It's all of God's grace. Now, I'm going to just quickly, uh, I'm just going back here because I want us to see something because you, there's this word that's come up and it's also a word, I'm, I'm trying to lump all the stuff we don't want to hear together in one sermon. Uh, the word wrath, which means anger. And I'm going to do this just quickly in three parts and you'll see that it's, it is very linked to what we're doing. But wrath means God has a resolute action in punishing sin. He will do it. It's the expression of God's attitude towards sinners just as much as love is. God actively manifests his power against evil. That is wrath. And in Romans 2.5, we heard the other day, there's a judgment day that will come. It's called the day of wrath. God's, reaction, God's wrath is, is his reaction to our sin. And in chapter 4, verse 15, Paul says, the law brings wrath. The law stirs up. When you give me a law that says, do not covet, that's what Paul said later in Romans 7, as soon as I hear that word, do not covet, I want to covet. And I've told the story before, but we were in New York in um, 20-something, I don't know which time, and I was walking up in this bus station, and there was a rail up the side. It was black, shiny paint. And it had a sign on it that said, fresh paint, do not touch. I wasn't even walking near it. It was over there. But I saw that sign and I thought, that looks shiny new paint. I wonder if it's really wet. And I went over and I put, and do you know what I've got on my hand? Wet black paint. I think I was the only set of fingerprints on it. No, maybe everyone was Why is it that the law causes us to sin? But we do. Is there something in us rebellious that wants to, to make us... So, the law brings wrath. And in chapter 3, verse 5, Paul says, it's completely fitting that God would inflict his wrath on us. It's completely fitting. It's right. Human beings are objects of wrath, is what Paul also says, but that's in Ephesians 2. Okay, naturally all of this. Okay, that's what wrath is. We fear wrath. It's, it's hidden in us. We know. You hear people say, so-and-so who was a horrible person, a rapist or a murderer or whatever, and they died, but they, they were getting what they deserved. That's what atheists say. Because they believe in wrath. They believe in judgment. They know that it's right. But 
Uh, Paul said in Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodlessness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. In the present tense, it is happening right now to all ungodlessness and wickedness. It is coming from heaven. It is an ongoing happening. The wrath of God shows itself in everybody's conscience as God gives them over to a depraved mind and they know that their actions deserve judgment, but they still do them. Now, you see... God's wrath against sin and against everything we said in Romans 3 is is a horrific thing because we have stood against the creator of this world and in the end we've said, we've we've thrown up our fist at him and said, we don't want you, we actually hate your ways. You want love, we want to hate. You want want truth, we want lies. You want faithfulness, we want adultery and lust and sexual immorality. That's, That's what... That's what humanity said to God. And he rightly, actively and presently pours his wrath on humanity. Do you want proof? Just watch the news. Do you want another proof? Just think of some of the things that goes on in your heart. Okay. And even as Christians, those, the flesh, Paul says, is still with us. And so we still have this voice, this old man that speaks to us with his stench. But through Christ, he has lost his dominion over us. Okay. What is then, so we're talking about what wrath is, it is being revealed, the deliverance from God's wrath. The day of wrath is coming. That's the hard part. You see, we're all sinners. The day of wrath is coming. Every person will judge according to his deeds. And the serious thing is, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one's righteous, not even one. All are under sin. The whole world's accountable to God. All of us are worthy of wrath. But, Romans 5, 9, he's going to say, Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved? From the wrath of God. How can we be saved by the wrath of God? By the blood of Jesus. He had to suffer and die our death under God's wrath in our place. That's propitiation. There's no other word for it. Okay? Propitiation means all of God's wrath, all of his anger was aimed at us. It is coming towards us We are going to die and be in hell eternally and Jesus stands in that gap and he receives that wrath in our place. So, how can we be saved? It is when we let go of any thought that there's a single thing in us that God sees as good. No, not one. Nothing. If we let go of all of that and just say, I am, a, I am finished, all I have is Jesus. That's repentance. That's turning from ourselves to God. So the basis of our justification is Jesus standing in that gap. It is Jesus who takes all of the wrath of God and, keep, and, and gives to us his gift of righteousness. 
He's the sin bearer for us. J.I. Packer said this, Between us sinners and the thunderclouds of divine wrath stands the cross of the Lord Jesus. If we are Christ through faith, then we are justified through the cross and the wrath will never touch us, neither here nor hereafter. Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. But he didn't deliver us by just saying, don't worry about it, God doesn't care. God doesn't mind your sin. He actually delivered us by bearing the wrath of God fully. If we don't understand propitiation, we will always stand in fear of future wrath. Sometimes people spend a lot of time trying to convince themselves and others that God's not angry with them. You can even go to the Quran and buy books that say God is not angry with you. But if they're saying that without propitiation, Jesus standing in the gap as, a, as the means of us not being under wrath, if they're just saying it's okay, God loves all nice people, if you're not based on propitiation for us, then they're just hiding from the fact that their conscience is a seared and that God's actually really angry with them. If you're a Christian and you've trusted in Jesus, you need to know again and again all of your salvation comes from Jesus. His anger has been born once and for all by Jesus and you need nothing more than only him and what he's given to you. And if you're not a Christian, as much as you want to hide from it, you're rightly under God's wrath. And you need to trust in Jesus. Because otherwise, as um, John 3.36 says, for all who do not believe in the Son, God's wrath remains on them. That's the words of Jesus. Sin is very, very serious. <coughs> Salvation comes through Christ alone by trusting him. Father, we are sinners. We confess that to you. As much as we hate to say it, we've stood against you and our actions and our words motives of our heart have been selfish against you and against others around us. We live with pride. We confess that to you knowing that all we have to reach out for is the grace that's come to us through Jesus, his son. And Father, we trust in that. We have nothing else but you. We trust in you and we thank you that you've taken us from the miry clay, the death of sin, the entrapment, the slavery of sin and you've lifted us to this place where you call us your children, your sons and daughters, dearly loved, righteous all through you. Father, all glory and honour is yours. There is none other but you. You are deserving of all praise. 
Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.